welcome to another edition of the IDCA to Infinity Paradigm and Beyond podcast, where we bring in the most recognized faces and thought leaders of the technology industry and have candid discussions on industry topics that are top of mind for IT professionals. This time, I'm joined by Yves Boudreau, CMO and VP Partnerships and Ecosystem Strategy at Edge Gravity. Yves, welcome to the program. Hey, Mark. Nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you joining. And, you know, I... Um, uh, no, no um, uh, hiding my interest. Uh, you know, I've 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 liked what Edge Gravity is doing for a while now. Tell me a little bit about um, what you're doing and what you've seen in the market recently, and then maybe give the audience um, well and about yourself and tell us uh, tell the audience you know something uh, interesting you've done at work and or uh, at play in the last few months. Sure, sure. I do think it's ironic that you mentioned that you're bringing the best of faces of the industry to the podcast because I'm pretty sure they're not going to see either of us today, but that's great. <laughs> I've always been told I have a face for radio and now I have a face for yeah. podcasts, so that's fantastic. You and me both. Uh, and so, me both. As uh, long as they're not video podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've, I've been at Ericsson now for about eight years. Um, I've, ha I've held different roles here from technical sales to strategy, uh, and I spent some time in the CTO office. And uh, I joined uh, Edge Gravity, which is a wholly owned subsidiary of uh, Ericsson, uh, which is essentially acting like a startup or what we call an accelerated unit which it, within the company. Um, and it's basically uh, intended to uh, go after emerging uh, technology or business uh, trends that Ericsson may not be synonymous for. Uh, in this particular case, uh, Edge Gravity is building a public edge cloud uh, in partnership with service providers. And we can talk about what that means a little bit later. Um, but I'm largely a startup guy. Uh, I started off in cable uh, back in Canada, where I'm from, in Ontario, uh, many moons ago in the, in the mid-90s, launching a lot of the um, what used to be very cool services like broadband internet access and telephony over cable <laughs> and digital video services. Um, nice. But I started off like as a, a traditional support engineer in, in their first uh, accelerated unit. It was a separate subsidiary um, that was meant to, to, to do big things um, on, the, uh, on the internet side. And uh, so after several startups um, in uh, Silicon Valley, San Diego, Boston, um, I decided it would be really cool to go join a large company and see how things function. Um, and it's been a great eight years so far. And now I get to bring some of my startup expertise and, and agile thinking to uh, you know, a small innovative unit within the company, uh, building out the public edge. Well, that's fantastic. And, and so before we jump right in, which I'm anxious to do, um, Tell me a little bit about what uh, Eves likes to do when he's not uh, chasing around the globe, uh, um, talking to people or working with people on development of the edge. Ah, well, um, like all Canadians, I drink whiskey, play hockey, um, and spend my time in the sun uh, when I can on the lake. Uh, but outside of that, nice. uh, I definitely don't know all Canadians. So if you ask me if I know Jimmy from Ottawa, I probably don't. But uh, <laughs> chances are I know I know a Jimmy somewhere in Canada. But um, nice. uh, I, I do spend a lot of time working, which is uh, probably a, a bad thing or, or could be a good thing in certain cases. But it's such an exciting industry uh, that's kept me interested for so long um, that it's just hard to, you know, kind of share or hide away from the fact or shy away from the fact that uh, I love what I do and I love the technology industry and more importantly, how these technologies can enable new businesses um, and, and new services just to kind of make life a little better for everybody every day. Yeah, no, I, and I, I couldn't agree more with that. I mean, for uh, uh, those people who have listened to me or, or read any of my work, 
uh, recognize my interest in in the market as in general and the in the industry in general, but uh, more specifically in the last few years around the opportunity associated with edge. And so, I'm right there with you. And uh, oftentimes, um, as you hinted at on the phone the other day, I get those clairs from uh, my better half when it's mm-hmm. um, late into the evening and I'm still talking on the phone with people about work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that out. So today <laughs> we're going to talk. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, I'm, you know, we've only been married 27 years, you know, if I, you know, maybe in the next 27, I'll figure it out. Oh, you got lots um, of time. You got lots of time to upset her then. Don't worry. There, there you go. Uh, so today we're looking to, to focus a little bit on the complexity of approaching the edge and um, Eves, you know, I, I, with your background, uh, I'm really hoping that we can give the audience a perspective that um, uh, they may not have heard from me or from some of the other folks that have been on this podcast or um, in, you know, mentioned in some of my other write-ups and, and you specifically mentioned uh, talking about the networking aspect of edge. So, you know, give me your take edge is being talked about a lot today. And in general, what do you think's missing from that conversation? Well, there's a ton of things missing because the edge really means different things to different people. And I, I think this is still, it's a little bit disappointing to me because uh, we're still at the point now, I would say two years into when edge computing and now edge cloud really has kind of come to dominate the headlines and conversations of, of what it is, right? And it means different things to different people. So, uh, you know, we participate in our kind of founding members of something called the State of the Edge Alliance. Uh, which was formed a, a few years ago by a very small number of companies, but now has grown to uh, dozens of them and recruiting more every day. Uh, but w- one of the um, large themes, I would say, in the inaugural report, which was uh, published in the summer last year, uh, and it's actually a very lengthy read. So if you're taking a long flight and you want to read something quite interesting that gives you a historical perspective of the internet and the edge and cloud, I, it's, a, it's a free read and you can download it at stateoftheedge.com. Uh, But one of the big kind of um, debates, I would say, in there that is still a raging debate every day is, you know, what what is the edge for you, right? What does it mean? What is the definition of it? And uh, the State of the Edge report actually goes into fairly large detail to try and, you know, make some um, very simple uh, assumptions, if you will, or at least, uh, you know, start the conversation. So uh, what is the edge is definitely not missing in the conversation. Um, and maybe we can go into a little bit of detail of, of that report uh, as it relates to the edge, because I would like to hear of what your definition is. But one thing is for sure is that when somebody talks about the edge that they have um, or the edge that matters to them, it's typically their last point of control. It's when they send packets uh, data or, or anything else uh, onto a network where it just disappears into the ether and then maybe gets to where it's supposed to be, its destination, uh, intact at a particular level of performance where people are happy or where it gets lost uh, or that it's not performing. Uh, but it's typically a common point where people say, uh, you know, that last point of control is my edge. And that can be the edge of the public cloud. It can be the edge of a colo. It could be the edge of a service provider network, or it could be all the way down to the device itself, right? The device edge, as uh, as some people call it. Um, yeah. But what I would like to see, and what I think is really missing in the conversation, is two things. One, people using a common lexicon, uh, defining what the edge is, so that when we start a conversation. You know, we don't spend half an hour educating people in terms of what the edge is. My edge is different than your edge. Let's just understand where your level of control is and let's agree that that's, 
the the definition of the edge that we're talking about in this particular conversation, right? And that everybody's edge matters. Um, and so in, in, in our case, right, for edge gravity, our uh, edge, as we define it, our last point of control is really the, the edge of the operator network, which is really as deep as you can get in a last mile network um, directly connected to uh, the devices, right? The devices, the people, the laptops, the phones, all the IoT devices. Um, and that's really as deep as you're going to get without pushing stuff directly on the device. So I would like to get more folks to adopt the open glossary uh, of edge computing and edge cloud, which is defined in State of the Edge. It's a, an open source project, which is managed by the Linux Foundation, um, and get people contributing to that so that we, we define what we're talking about and we can move ahead to the more interesting conversations. Not what is it or where is it, but more importantly, how are we going to use it? And that's largely what's missing in the conversation today is credible examples and learning of how we're going to use, use the edge in question. That's what I think is really missing. More people talking about less generic use cases and positing on more uh, what if scenarios. For example, we did a conference in Barcelona in February and uh, I hosted a few panels and one of the titles was, you know, when we get, not if, but when Edge Gravity gets those 10,000 locations up and running with infrastructure for people to access, what are you going to do with that? What could you do with that? What enables you to do something completely different from a business or application or performance standpoint that you can't do today in private IT and public cloud? And get people to really think for a minute and come to the table with real ideas, right? Things that don't exist today. Now, I'm not talking about reinventing a light bulb um, or you know, coming up with cold fusion here, but I am talking about people to think outside of their current constraints and bring real uh, ideas to the table and be willing to come and test them on our live edge network. So we have nodes out there today that people can use to basically come and test their big ideas, whether they be technology, business, or both. Um, so the conversation needs to really move a lot more quickly beyond what is it and where is it to how am I going to use it and get creative around that utilization. Yeah, well, I, I pretty much think I agree with everything you've said. Um, and I've had many well, of those same that's conversations. That's no fun, Mark. That's no fun. I know. You need to disagree I know. with well, stuff. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find something, and, and maybe I will within that <laughs> long, uh, that, that, that great comment that you've made. Um, but I've, um, I've struggled with the same notion when talking to folks, and they, and the, um, the common problem in the beginning of a conversation is someone saying, um, "Well, what do you think about the, the edge?" And the person asking the question is somebody that builds data centers. And what they really want to know is how many data centers do I think are going to need, be needed and, and where will they be needed? And, and then the next person comes and says, uh, I think the edge is great. And what they're really talking about is uh, putting an Azure stack on premise on their campus. Yep. Um, and that to me, that's not edge. That's um, you could call it edge if you really want to. But to me, that's just on premises IT um, that happens to be supported by Microsoft directly. Um, and so, you know, finding, finding the best ways to get everybody on the same page with thinking about what the combination of capabilities associated with putting um, workloads uh, and more interactive, more successful workloads closer to the customer might mean to their business. Yep. No, right? And so I agree. In, in, 
Yeah. And so what you were talking about and, 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 you know, I'm going to go ahead and let you pull in edge gravity. I mean, uh, uh, because I think it's important to this conversation because my philosophy around edge gravity is that you guys are doing one of the primary things that I talk about in almost every one of my edge oriented blogs, which is finding ways to lower the barrier to entry for people to get started in approaching a global market. And, and the, the point in, in this particular case is that when people are approaching a market historically and thinking about it from the, the standpoint of where I've been to this point in my life from an IT career, um, that process is daunting and extremely expensive and only viable, assuming you use the old approaches, for things that have tremendous value per person or have a very limited number of distribution locations but a large number of customers in each place. And say somebody is lowering the barrier to entry and, and making that reference to someone like Edge Gravity, uh, I'm saying that more people have more options to send more stuff to more places with um, a, a much lower barrier to entry from a cost of development and deployment. And, and do you, am I making too many assumptions about the opportunity? of edge or the opportunity or the position that edge gravity finds itself in, in the market? No, no, you're making the right assumptions here. Uh, where it kind of falls short for everybody is um, nobody's going to do this by themselves, right? So when we talk about building an ecosystem uh, within edge gravity, there's a lot of stakeholders, right? And the, the facility owners um, are, are a major stakeholder, right? So if I, if I take a quick step back here and I go back to the, uh, the state of the edge report, um, there's four principles that are kind of defined there, right? You made a good comment here about the enterprise and installing Azure stack and saying, well, that's not really edge to you. Well, it's edge to them because that's their last point right. of control, right? So there's four yep. principles here in the report that I want to draw your attention to. The first one is that the edge is a location, right? It's not a thing, but it is a location, right? The, the second thing is that there's lots of edges, right? But the edge that, that we care about today um, is the edge of the last mile network, right? We as in the state of the edge and we edge gravity are really interested in as deep as you can get into the network without being on the device, okay? And the reason that's important is because if you look at how many locations, okay? Back to the first principle, the edge is location, not a thing. If you look at the service provider footprint globally of locations, right? Hub sites for cable, COs for telcos, um, uh, uh, sites, uh, tower sites for mobile companies, right? Just to name a few, there's well over 200,000 locations that have gear. And that's their edge, right? That's their last point of control. And those are facilities that have servers, rack space, power, uh, connectivity, very importantly, connectivity both upstream to the public internet and more importantly, downstream to the subscribers, right? That's a lot of locations. And somebody say, well, we don't need that many locations. It's like, well, who do you think is providing your internet service, right? From their yep. edge locations. If those locations were cut in half, right? Everything breaks. Yep. So you can, right. you can see, you know, 2X, 3X, those numbers of locations being required just as a function of bandwidth, right? Um, you, you look at people, you know, over the years from 56K to ISDN to, you know, T1s, all the different, uh, you know, multipliers of bandwidth. Every time you've thrown bandwidth at a consumer or an enterprise or a very creative person, it's been soaked up almost immediately, right? Yeah. Um, the issue is, is that if you're just going to run everything over the top and operators can't monetize those things, that's when the deployment of the, the network becomes a bit slower.
Okay. Right. So again, if we go back to this, this third kind of principle here, the edge really has two sides, right? There's an infrastructure edge and a device edge. Now the infrastructure edge that we care about at Edge Gravity and at Ericsson primarily is that service provider edge. Again, it's the deepest part of the service provider network that's connected to those devices that are receiving those packets, making those calls, those DNS requests, those API calls, those database calls. The more I can shorten that, uh, that round trip time, the more performance and the more uh, utilization, let's say, uh, that will happen. Um, and so the infrastructure edge for us ends up being our last point of control, uh, which is as deep as you can get without being on the device. Um, but the fourth principle here in, in, the, in the report that we're trying to get everybody to at least standardize on to a certain extent is that you know, compute right, or cloud resources will exist on both sides. Okay, so yep. we don't think yep. that the device edge is going away. It makes complete sense to have, you know, some things that happen on the device. If I'm on a plane and I can't get out to the internet, I need some level of functionality on my phone here. I can't just sit there yep. with, a, with no phone, at least not anymore, right? So if I want to listen to this podcast, I have to be able to download it and, and have it available offline for the duration of that, right? Or if there's a service that requires a lot of bandwidth and I'm on a 2G connection, um, you know, in Canada in the middle of the wilderness, I still need to be able to make phone calls or at least do something. So there will be compute that exists on both sides, right? Working in coordination with the centralized cloud. So when we talk right. about right. edge gravity being in the public edge cloud business, people will say, you know, you're nuts if you think you're gonna replace Amazon. And this is not about replacing Amazon, it's about complementing Amazon for the next scale of devices, bandwidth and performance required to really get us to billions and billions of devices and users um, out onto those right. networks. Right, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And do me a favor, Eves, before we forget, just so there's one more spot in here, um, reference um, that report and where people can find it again. Yeah, it's the State of the Edge report um, and you can download that for free at stateoftheedge.com. Um, there's going to be a, a new report coming out uh, along with an initial market sizing study uh, in the second half of this year, um, but it's at stateoftheedge.com. Excellent. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. All right. So I want to, I want to take, you know, what we've been talking about and, um, and, and make this a little bit more real for someone who's maybe either agrees with what we've said or is, is already uh, on the road of contemplating, um, the need for uh, you know getting closer access to customers or um, redistributing workloads in new ways because of um, having adopted uh, you know a cloud platform or or having found customers in new parts of the world that need better performance on applications whatever their need happens to be um, you know most companies are struggling with whether they need to approach the edge and why they would approach the edge uh, or how they would approach the edge so. Uh, do you have any suggestions? I mean, how does how does somebody start that journey? Well, to be honest, it's not even a technology discussion anymore. Now it's a uh, back to this conversation of control. You have to uh, be willing to let go of some level of control, right? I use the expression: we're looking for people who are not tree hugging their data centers. Okay. Uh, that's an yep. issue of control. It's not an issue of technology. In fact, most of the technology, if you actually uprooted it from your physical location and ha uh, you know, moved it to an Equinix data center or to any other uh, colo, right, uh, Edge Connects or, um, or Switch or what have you, it would run the same way. <laughs> I mean, it would ironically run the same way as long as it was enough bandwidth. 
but people yeah. still, you know, look at this as a as an issue of control and sometimes of job security, right? So we need to be less afraid of losing our job and more interested in learning something new and, and applying our skills elsewhere uh, and letting somebody else run uh, run the IT infrastructure for a period of time, right? Uh, all the public cloud companies have really created a rental business and a leasing business out of what used to be uh, an outright capital purchase and ownership of, of, of data centers. And right. we've made great progress at getting right. people to, you know, tree hug their data centers less. They still love IT. It's just there's less hugging going on, right? Um, right. Yep. But I think the other important thing to uh, to call out here is for, for these people is um, a lot of what you see in terms of adoption of public cloud is being driven by people who can't even afford to buy their own infrastructure anyway. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a good friend uh, of mine who put this into perspective for me recently um, when he made a comment, which, you know, the light bulb went off for me and he said, Eve, shared assets are always more capital efficient than dedicated ones. And although that's an obvious statement to most people, yep. when you hear yep. it, it's hard to argue, right? Meaning right. If, right. if I have two cars at home and, you know, and I say, hey, I can share one car and get rid of one, it's kind of hard to make the argument. Um, and, and when you look back at it and people make the argument, well, I need two cars because of this or I need two cars because of that, it's actually because you want two cars. It's not because you need them. There are ways around having right. two cars or three cars or four cars, right? And it's the same thing with servers and yep. data centers or numbers of location. Um, but when he said that the, that the shared asset model is more capital efficient, this is exactly what the public edge cloud relies on today. People sharing infrastructure, people sharing networks, people sharing. Yep. It's the same when you're Absolutely. sharing an Airbnb, sharing an Uber. Uh, you know, this, this, um, this sharing economy thing, you know, can work because uh, shared well, assets are always more capital efficient than dedicated ones. And that's the issue with private IT yeah, on-premise I mean, is that it's not shared. Right, right. No, if I can cut in on that yeah. for just a second, I would argue that everything that you're saying lends itself very effectively. Again, we're not arguing yet. Uh, maybe before the end of the podcast, we can figure out something like um, who's the best hockey team or something. Um, well, that's clear. There's but, no, there's you know, no argument there, Mark. It's the Montreal Canadiens. So. <laughs> Um, I, I'm going to shut up for a second. Um, but everything, everything he just said to me, you know, lends itself to the notion that I brought up early in the conversation of helping to lower the barrier to entry. And if you think about someone attempting to approach the edge um, from a from an all-encompassing standpoint, it's like, well, uh, I want to build an app and I want to make it available to everyone at the edge within 20 milliseconds. And I want to figure out all I need for that. I want to build racks. I want to build, I want to put together servers. I want to pull networks. I want to build data centers or, or, you know, maybe rent a little colo space here and there. And I want to do that around the world. First of all, uh, if you're doing that because you're trying to compete with Amazon or something like that, then that's a $20 billion effort just to get started. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And so, this idea of shared, um, this idea of utilizing what exists to the best of our ability as we get started um, has so many fundamentals associated with it from, a, from being, as you pointed out, obvious as an opportunity that um, there is no way for the edge market to develop in, in any kind of real way in the near term if what we're waiting for is that big bang where somebody's got a demand that's so big that has so much value associated with it that 
somebody else can afford to put billions of dollars behind building unique infrastructure just for that demand. So if we're not expecting the edge to develop under those pretexts, then to me, the only way it's going to add the edge is going to develop is the way you described it. And that's through this, however you want to call it, the sharing economy or the utilization of existing infrastructure in new ways um, or all of the above. I think that's just hugely critical. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and we're going to have to stop agreeing because people will just think we're in cahoots here. So we'll have to figure out a way to uh, to disagree on something pretty soon. So um, I might get very direct with you. Uh, I might even yeah. tell some bad jokes and start swearing pretty soon to make sure that you get upset with me <laughs> somehow. But um, let, let me bring up a, a point and a question for you, right? Um, yeah, and yeah. it's going to be about uh, about your, your talk. My first talk that I ever heard from you was uh, on Jevons Paradox. So I want you to talk a little bit yeah. about that. Uh, and if you have already talked okay. about it during this, uh, you know, during this podcast series, uh, you don't have to, you know, talk about it too much, right? But um, if you look at the locations, right, specifically locations, edge locations, and our, our edge yeah. cloud, uh, I was literally just in a conversation on Monday with one of our partners, and they were they run in, in our data centers, uh, our core network that we own and operate, and then they also uh, are now starting to run in some of the edge data centers uh, in the service provider edges as well. And uh, their biggest complaint about the existing kind of colo environment, which has tens of thousands of locations out there, right? There's no, there's no issue with um, physical real estate um, uh, in, those, in those particular areas, but their biggest complaint was connectivity and performance. Mm -hmm. What they kept kind of explaining to me was that, you know, we can get some connectivity, but it's, it's not enough or it's really poor. Um, and if you look at the service provider edge locations, right, that uh, our partners on the service provider side have, have graciously made available to us in this revenue share model that we, we pursue, these things are uber connected to everything, not only from the last mile network standpoint to their subscribers, but even upstream. I mean, they have done such a fantastic job in all uh, different types of access networks to interconnect with the rest of the world they are the ultimate interconnection point around the world. Um, and yeah, it's yeah. amazing when you have that amount of bandwidth, how people can use it. And when you make that capacity, right, when you make that shared uh, capacity of network and location and server infrastructure available, right, it goes into this, this Jevons paradox situation, which maybe you can explain to the listeners on why that matters, right? If I make all of this available, what happens? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and there are a lot of different ways to go into the discussion of Jevons paradox. And and while I have talked about it a couple of times, uh, in, either in blog posts or on a previous podcast here, um, you know, really quickly for those who haven't heard it or um, or maybe it's been a while, Jevons paradox relates to the notion that if you make a resource, uh, commodity, whatever you want to call it, uh, more easily available at at lower costs, so it's effectively more efficient to utilize. Um, people will find new and unique ways to use it, and um, and the uh, eventual use will be more like an exponential growth over its existing use, where you know your average math might assume that if we sell you know a gigabyte worth of network to people today and they spend ten thousand dollars on it to get it, then um, if we can make it for five thousand dollars, people will save five thousand dollars. That's the that's the assumed market dynamic that most people carry, that if they drop the price by half, people will be paying half, um, but people won't buy more. And it's just the opposite. If you drop the, the price by half on something like, like network as, as Eve's example, 
um, what you're likely to see is four or even 10x increase in the demand because now what occurs is people find ways to say, well, I got that much network because that was what I could afford before. But in order to really give my customers the experience they deserve, um, I'd rather have two gigs. Um, and I couldn't even afford to put this other um, uh, business model or you know, application on the network in the past because its return on investment uh, um, is lower than some of my other workloads and existing network cost models mean that I wouldn't get a return on investment. But if the cost of bandwidth were to drop by half, that changes things entirely. And now I can put that app out there and five other apps that are like it. And so that's historically, if you look through the history of IT, that's what happens in almost every circumstance. It's been mm -hmm. true with mainframes to minis, minis to towers, towers to pizza boxes, pizza boxes to blades, blades to VMs, VMs to containers, containers to, uh, to Lambda or um, uh, functions as a service, things like that. It's always been true, and, and you have looked no further than the fact that we still sell more servers every year than we did the year before, um, even though every year we find more efficient ways to put more work on each one of those servers, and each one of those servers has more memory and CPU power than the one that was installed a year before. Um, so if that isn't enough evidence already that the idea of Jevons Paradox works, um, then I, uh, I wouldn't uh, be able to find a better way to describe it. So I, yeah. I do agree with you, Eves, and I think that um, the ability to offer that resource, and again, this goes back, I'm repeating myself, but it goes back again to lowering those barriers to entry. When you can offer that extra resource, people will find new and unique ways to use it. And I think that um, IT has a history, and I've, uh, this is an example that was actually written into a book uh, that Joe, Re Joe Weinman wrote. Um, uh, he asked me for a comment on modern IT, and I said, well, you know, in the, in the age of cloud, when everybody assumes that everything is going to eventually be in three clouds and nobody will own anything anymore, my quote to that is that IT is very much like a painter's palette. And if I had a room with 10 people in it and I gave every single one of them the exact same canvas with the exact same shade of white of canvas, um, the exact same room conditions, the exact same lighting, the exact same paints, the exact same type of brush, brush the exact same cleaning materials, uh, I had them looking all out the same window, um, they would still come up with different paintings of a tree if I asked them to paint a tree. Every one of those paintings would be different. And IT is just like that. And so to me, you know, and what, what Eves, what you were talking about, this, this is uh, an opportunity to help put the tools in the hands of people that make things go and make um, and create more opportunities. And the more people you can put those, those tools in the hands of, the more of those opportunities we're likely to create. Yep. So, Mark, are, are you implying then that the edge, the edge is a commodity? Well, I think it, it goes back to the beginning of our question. What part of the edge are we talking about? Right? So the service think, provider edge, right? If I'm talking about yep, these 200,000 yep. locations where we'll yep. have infrastructure, hopefully in the next decade at scale, right? Are you saying that yep. it becomes a commodity or are you saying that the I, capital... I think, or that the, the, the shared nature of the capital investment and the utilization and exposure of that capital investment is gonna drive growth. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. And it, okay. it, to some degree, it's a commodity in the sense that it becomes more easily accessible and it's measurable and comparable in general from one place to another, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. All right, so we've sort of beat this to death. You got a, 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 well, I mean, we could probably talk about it the rest of the day, but, um, 
Eves, do you have any, you know, closing um, comment or, or, you know, kind of I'd like to leave this with the audience type of message? Um, you know, this is a community, right? There's an ecosystem here that's built and there's some of us that are a little bit more vocal than others. And maybe we're a little more, more passionate because we want to see uh, not only the edge built and, and utilized, but we're being very provocative, right? The status quo is not fun. Uh, it may be relaxing to some, but, uh, you know, we have, we have a job uh, to do here. We have to make sure that we can become more efficient, um, more open, and, and frankly, more creative, right? So the challenge is to, to get people to, to think way outside the box here, right? Way outside the data center, way outside the edge of their edge of comfort, right? And so when we look at some of the members of State of the Edge, for example, you'll hear us talk very openly about things we've learned, uh, things that you would say, man, I can't believe he's sharing that information, or I can't believe he said that, you know, that's not true, or yeah. I don't believe that hypothesis. We're trying to be provocative. So when you look at, you know, Edge Gravity and, and uh, Packet and ARM and Rafe and Vapor, uh, who else is part of this thing? Edge Connects, Macrometa, Pluribus, Stackpath, yep. uh, SBA, all these companies are out there, um, yep. you know, creating a community of, of open dialogue to make sure this happens because the internet, in our opinion, will not actively scale uh, or will not scale without the active participation of those last mile um, service providers. It just isn't not, is not right. going to happen. And so we want more people to join us. Uh, we're going to have a conference here in October on the 10th in Santa Clara at our campus. We're bringing the ecosystem together again in Silicon Valley, this time with a focus on startups um, and enterprises. We're going to be uh, announcing several new things and some partnerships and uh, some progress on the build out of the network. And we want people to bring their strong opinions, their perspectives. You know, we want people to come and say, here's why we believe this will never happen. And I can tell you, Mark, two years of doing this, I've never heard anybody say it's not going to happen. But yeah. they have brought up uh, some legitimate concerns about what will slow it down or what needs to happen in order for it to happen. But I'm very encouraged right. that we are building together with this ecosystem uh, a brand new market vertical for Edge Cloud that is complementary to the public cloud that really gives us a legitimate shot at deploying and making available services to businesses and consumers that we haven't even thought of yet. It's a very exciting space and I'm really glad to be a part of it. No, same here. I, I, I'm uh thrilled with it. And of course, anybody that's spent any more than 10 minutes reading any of my um, uh, uh, pop IT culture writings on um, LinkedIn um, would see that uh, uh, I agree with that. And uh, I also agree with the idea of the ecosystem. I agree with your point. Again, I, I'm getting sick of this word agree. I agree with your point of the fact that no one's going to do this alone. This is a community and a cooperative effort to make this happen in order for it to be most successful. So Eves, uh, thank you very much for being on the program and for the insightful comments. Uh, I hope the, uh, in fact, I'm sure uh, many in the audience will find this um, uh, interesting and useful in how they think about the edge and how they may approach it. Um, so before I wrap up, Eves, uh, uh, and you know, I've said thank you, but thank you again. And uh, tell the audience where can they find you um, online? Twitter, LinkedIn. Yeah, best place to website. find. Yeah, best place to find me is on LinkedIn, um, and I'm at uh, just Eve Boudreau at Edge Gravity. Um, online, our website is uh, edgegravity.erickson.com, 
Uh, you can always drop me an email as well, but uh, happy to hear from you. Um, and Mark, thanks so much for having me today. This has always been an interesting discussion. I'm sorry I didn't have any better jokes. Um, and I don't spend <laughs> I don't spend more than 10 minutes reading your stuff either. I usually spend about nine because if I spent 10, then I would feel intellectually <laughs> slow. But um, no, your, your work is always very well written and insightful. So thanks for putting that out in the community and thanks for, for doing this podcast. Oh, no, no. Thank you. Appreciate it. And um, with that, folks, thank you very much for listening. And uh, thanks again to Eves. And um, if you can think of someone that uh, you'd like to have uh, on the show with me, please feel free to reach out. Um, the best way to get, get a hold of me is through podcast at idc-a.org. And until next time, I'm Mark Teeley, and you can find me on Twitter at M-T-H-I-E-L-E-10, so mtle 10 or uh, you can find my blogs uh, at LinkedIn. And um, thank you very much for listening. Until next time.